listening to Discover Church and one of our morning worship experiences. This past Sunday for Memorial Day, we had one of our GO Team members, Randy Reisinger, share his testimony. I just want to praise God that I'm in a, a church here today with a lot of sheep and you didn't kick me out. One second here. that rain last night. I didn't think it was forecasted. I don't know if you've read in the paper or heard this lately. Uh, I think even Pastor Curtis has mentioned it sometimes, but Sussex County is the fastest growing county in in all of Delaware. And uh, with growth, guess what? Comes homeless. And whether we want to face it or not, we will. We're going to see homeless people. course the singer in the song that we just heard he was referencing a teaching that that Jesus gave and it's from Matthew 25:40 and it goes like this and the king will answer and say to them assuredly i say to you inasmuch as you did it for one of the least of these my brethren you did it on to me the question i want to ask you today is Have any of you ever been one of the least of these? Have you ever felt like you were one of the least of these? Well, I have, and I can relate to it. And I want to tell you a little bit about it. My story, there's there's some good things. There's some bad things. But I'll give you a spoiler alert. There's a happy ending. Ultimately, we know that, that the ultimate ending is going to be with Jesus. And that's what brought me through, really. That's the bottom line. But um, I want to go back to when I gave my life to Jesus. It was in the 80s. And we had a lot of people like Keith Green, the, the singer of that song, radical Christians. And I wanted to be a radical Christian when I first became a born-again Christian. I wanted to be radical. I wanted to make a difference And uh, Keith Green, he used to say, being born again means you're bananas for Jesus. And I wanted to be bananas for Jesus. It sounds weird now. It's kind of a corny saying. But I was bananas for Jesus. And I found myself, like Paul, suddenly able to see uh, for the first time when I actually read the Bible, which I had tried reading countless times before, 
it finally made sense. The scales fell off my eyes. Anybody else ever experienced transformation? Well, that's, that's what I experienced, transformation. And it was a good thing. But how many people know that just becoming a Christian doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfectly? It doesn't mean that we're not going to experience tough times. It doesn't mean that. A lot of Christians think that. Oh, I'm going to give my life to Christ, and now everything's going to be perfect. But tough times still happen. I'll pick up the rest of my story in 1996, and I was involved in the, the same church that I was born again in. It was a church I, I saw grow. I was growing as a part of it. And in 1996, we had, a, we had a ministry to the local community. I lived in Germany, and our ministry was really focused on reaching out to the youth. And we did this through, through music. And we would have... Christian artists come, and most of the time they're kind of Christian rock music groups. So one weekend, we had a Christian band that was there to play for a concert for the teenagers, and they were practicing in my house. Um, They were practicing in the upper room. We had one big room in our house in in the upstairs, um, and... It also functioned, by the way, as our church. So upstairs in the upper room was our church, and this band was practicing, and my family lived down in the basement. That's where we were. So we had a babysitter that day who was taking care of our youngest. Uh, She was eight months old. Her name was Ashley, and she was taking a nap downstairs, and we were all in the upper room, and the band was just having a jam session. And I remember, um, to this day, I remember the, the babysitter coming upstairs, and she said, hey, can we get Ashley up from her nap? I th- she's been sleeping pretty long, and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So the, the kids in the neighborhood and the kids in the church, uh, they always love to take my, my little baby out and stroll her around the little streets of Germany in the, in the stroller, and, and then the little girls, they just love doing that, and so... We're like, yeah, go ahead. So she went down the stairs, well, out of the sanctuary and down the stairs to go get her um, up from her nap. And to this day, I'll never, ever forget. I won't be able to take from my mind even uh, the scream that I heard. It was wrenching. And uh, everything stopped. I mean, music stopped. People stopped doing what they're doing. Everybody looking at themselves and at each other. And I scrambled down the stairs, ran into the room. And the first thing I see is just this complete look of shock on the babysitter. I'll never forget it. Like all the blood just drained out of her face. And the look of my little children who went in there to to get my daughter up too, they're just horror on their face. And I looked in in the bed in the crib and Ashley's body was lifeless. I picked her up 
It's a feeling that no parent should have to ever feel, a lifeless child in your arm. And we hurried and scrambled and got into a car, and a friend of mine drove us all the way to the hospital. And the entire way, uh, my wife and I were given CPR to my daughter. And we got to the hospital, and they took the baby, and they actually they didn't even take her into like the normal emergency room. They took her right into an OR that was prepped and ready because people had called in advance of us coming. And we were outside the OR, and we were crying, and we were praying, and we were pleading, and the miracle didn't happen. Not that time. And our little baby went to be with Jesus. And the doctors called it SIDS. It's called Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. I mean, having a name for it doesn't really change how you feel. It was wrenching, um, and it was very difficult. And there's really nothing in my entire life ever that has hurt so much and probably never will but I want to share with you a few things and I know that there's people out there I know that there's some of you out there that have gone through um, similar tragedy maybe even worse maybe not quite as bad but you've still struggled with losing a loved one and not understanding why but I can tell you that verses like this, um, Isaiah 57, 1 says this, the righteous shall perish and no one, no one takes it to heart. Merciful men, and I believe this means merciful women and children too, merciful men are taken away while no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil. This is a great verse and one that I've really been able to hold on to because I know that Ashley is in a better place now. Amen? I mean, we hear and people tell us, oh, when someone dies, they're in a better place. But I've, when I found this verse, it was strength to me because it wasn't just someone saying that. It's God saying that. Amen? And God tells us that and tells me that Ashley's in a better place and that she's been spared from the evil of this world. Whatever reason God took her, but he saw what the future could have been, he knows, he knows everything. He knows every single moment of time in each and every one of our lives. I also try to have faith like David. Many of us know we've read enough, and if you haven't, David lost a son, and all up until the time that David lost that son, he was praying, he was fasting, he was pleading God, and a miracle didn't happen for him. And he got up, and he washed himself, and people came to him and started criticizing him. Believe it or not, I mean, I, I can speak to this. Sometimes Christians can be cruel. They don't think. They don't think about what they say. They say what it's just in their mind and they're not listening to God and they say some cruel things to you even when you've lost somebody. 
So people were telling him, what are you doing? You should still be fasting. You lost a child. And David responded and he said in 2 Samuel 12, 23, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And I know this. I know that I'll see Ashley again. I know I'm going there. And for you parents or family members, any any time that you can give glory to God, give glory to Jesus, and tell somebody, even if they're not a believer, that you are a believer, I can tell you this. When the time comes that the Lord takes you, it's a tremendous, tremendous peace to your, your loved ones to know that they're going to see you again if they make the choice for Christ. Amen? So I know that I'll see Ashley again. I know that she's part of the cloud of witnesses that it says in Hebrews that surround us. I believe that crowd of, of witnesses that surrounds us, they're praying for us every day. I know that the time that we have here on earth, it's just a blink. In 2 Peter 3.8, he says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Amen? Our life's a blink. It doesn't matter if our life is a day or it's a hundred years. It's the same when measured to eternity. I know it's sad and frustrating when you lose someone before what we feel is their time. But believe this. If they know Christ, you know Christ, you're going to have eternity with them. Amen? Amen. So all these kind of truths, all these truths from these scriptures, they help me. They helped me tremendously, and they, they brought me through some hard times. But you know what? Even when I got through this time, the same truth held true. It doesn't mean that life's still going to be perfect again. And for me, things got even worse. A year after my daughter's death, uh, we lost another child to to miscarriage, and it it completely destroyed my wife. And she said, "This is it. I, I want to go back home to the United States." And so we left the ministry that we were in in Germany, and and we went back to the United States. A year after we returned to the states, I received a call from my father. And my dad called and he told me that my little brother had taken his life. My little brother was eight years younger than me. And I believe I was the kind of brother that you would hope you'd have as an older brother. I loved that little boy like, I mean, he was, he was with me all the time growing up. I took him everywhere. I was so proud of him. I, I loved to help him. And we talked all the time. It was a shock when I lost my little brother. I can say that I did have a good thing happen 
a great thing, an amazing thing happened just shortly then after that. Um, we were blessed with another child. And I named him Seth. And I named him Seth just like Eve named her third-born son, Seth, because for me, it was God blessed us with another baby that was replacing our grief with joy. But then I lost a best friend, a really close college buddy who I played baseball with through college, and I lost this, this young man. I mean, we were in our mid-30s, and uh, I lost him to cancer, and it took him in about four months period of time. It was just devastating and so fast. A year after that, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I watched someone struggle through a horrific, terrible cancer. Bright point awesome praise through the whole thing. My mom gave her life to Christ. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine that you can thank God for something like a tragedy, but I know my mom, and I know she needed something like this to wake her up, and, and it did. And she gave her life to Christ, and I know that I will see her again. I know that she is in the cloud of witnesses. Amen? And she's there, and she's praying for me, and she's praying for my children. And I know that she's glad she had to go through that to find Jesus. Well, the next year, I got seriously sick. And... I got a sickness that basically attacked uh, my muscles and my tendons. It, it debilitated me to the point where I could hardly want to get out of bed. It caused a rash to go all over my body, uh, mostly my upper body and all over my face. And I was like, what is going on, God? This is, I had no idea. It's a autoimmune disease and the only way to treat it was with heavy steroids and lots of them which I don't know if anybody has ever been on steroids like prednisone it is almost as bad as the sickness but thank God it, it did it did help me in the end but the prednisone the the medicine it actually, it ballooned me up. I mean, I gained an extreme amount of weight and fast. And again, I, I, I couldn't really do anything. I mean, I used to be athletic. I used to run and do things. And now I found that I, like I said, I could hardly even get out of bed. The other thing is that it, the prednisone causes cataracts. So after about two and a half years of taking this medication, I'd found that I couldn't see at night because of the cataracts and the refraction. And I'm, I'm in my late 30s at this point. I mean, it's pretty early to be having cataracts. But the other and probably the worst thing about 
drugs like that is it makes you very irritable. And I was the grumpiest father and husband that was probably out there. And I know it affected, it affected everybody. It affected my marriage. It affected my relationships with my, my children and my friends. So complete confusion erupted really in my family at this time. And I found that myself, because of the bills, because of just inactivity, because of everything going on, we, we were in huge financial trouble. And my wife and I, we fought constantly. And by now, my, my older children were just becoming teenagers, which is the normal time that we experienced some rebellion with our children. But with all that was going on and all that we had been through, I know that the rebellion was probably even magnified. What we were experiencing as a family is something very similar to what, what military folks experience from war. And my wife and I and my children, we were truly experiencing what's called PTSD. And uh, PTSD is a condition, it's called post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's a disorder in which a person has difficulty recovering after experiencing or witnessing a terrifying event. And believe me, what all four of us had, had experienced and witnessed was terrifying. And PTSD is a condition and it can last for years. It can last for months or it can last for years. And it's triggered oftentimes and it brings back trauma. It brings back the actual events. You feel it. You actually feel that trauma coming. Sometimes at night, sometimes when you're sleeping in dreams, but sometimes you feel the trauma just in the daily in a daily experience. You see something and it remembers, it reminds you of, of the time that you were in and it sparks this fear in you that says, is it going to happen again? Am I going to see something tragic like that? Is What's going to happen here? And, and it's stressful. And I know that my children were going through this time and I know that both my wife and I, and it, it, was, it was bad. It was very bad. Well, believe it or not, it got worse. And finally, I guess it's probably, maybe it's the drugs I was taking from the prednisone and the other steroids, the anger that I had. Um, but whatever it was, my wife said she had enough. And she convinced the two children, the two older children, and she convinced them and said, we need to leave. Let's get out of here. And my wife and my children, they left me. And I found myself sick and abandoned. And I felt extremely alone. But 
Praise God, I was not alone. Amen? I was not alone. Jesus was there, and he was there with me the whole time. I prayed to God, and I, I kept asking him, I said, God, please, please help. And please, please bring my wife back. I pleaded with my wife to come back, and she refused. And she demanded a divorce. And I said, no. I said, no, I'm not going to go through that. I'm not going to take our children through that, and I don't believe in that. And I said, no. Well, the financial situation got worse and worse with the medical bills. Um, if I didn't sell the house, I was going to lose it. So I sold the house and sold it for far less than I should have. I went into bankruptcy. It was humiliating. I went bankrupt. I never thought something like that would happen to me. The company that I worked for, they lost a contract, and I lost my job. And now I'm unemployed. The year right before that, our accountant made a huge mistake on our taxes. And so guess what? I'm audited. I mean, I, it couldn't get worse. It was ridiculous. And it's a nightmare going through an audit. After two years of being separated and watching my life fall apart and being... I wasn't jobless the entire two years, but two years of separation. And then the final knife was shoved into my heart. And I found out that my wife and a good friend had been having an affair for over five years. And I was devastated. Of course, I finally agreed to the divorce. And... Um, I think I pretty much hit rock bottom. I, I was at my rock bottom. In about a 10-year period of time, I lost a child. I lost an unborn child in miscarriage. I had to leave my church family that I was born again in and, and was living in and come back to the States. I lost a brother to suicide. I lost my mom and my best friend to cancer. I lost my health. I lost my job. I was in financial ruin. And I had lost my wife and my children. I thought many, many times about homelessness. I really did. I thought about just leaving and leaving everything behind. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd lost cars too so I was driving a junker car and I wasn't even sure if it was going to keep keep running and I wanted to just leave go somewhere and just get away where nobody would know me nobody would recognize me homelessness was something I thought about I thought about giving up when I see homeless people 
I think, I wonder what they might have gone through. I really think that. And I think it's something that God wants us to think about and try to relate to, to pray for them, to reach out to them if we can, because most likely they've gone through something really, really, really hard. Worse than even homelessness, I thought seriously about suicide. I thought about taking my life. I didn't have anything to live for. And at times, the the enemy just beats you up when you're in those kind of situations. But praise God. Praise be to God, Jesus was there. I know he was there. I wouldn't be here right now if Jesus was not there. Amen. I'm going to tell you the rest of the story, but before I tell you the rest of my story, I want to give you five tips. And even though I was at rock bottom, I had learned from really early on as a Christian from the discipleship of really strong Christians, good Christians, some things that I somehow held on to through these times of trouble. I held on to these things, and I want to give them to you because if you ever have to go through something like this, hard, hard times, or if you know or meet somebody who's going through these kind of times, you can give these tips to them because they work. Without this, I wouldn't be here. So the first tip is forgiveness. It it may not seem like it should be the number one thing, but I'm telling you, forgiveness is the most important thing. If you do not forgive, guess what? You can't be forgiven. You're going to feel, if you go through something like what I went through, you're going to feel anger. You're going to feel resentment. Deep, deep hurt. And the world is going to tell you, you've got every right to feel that way. You should be angry at that person or those people. you got the right. But the bottom line is, as Christians, guess what? We don't. We do not. It says in Matthew 6.15, it says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be restored? Then you have to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, you are not forgiven. I needed to forgive my my ex-wife. I needed to because I know, we all know, Then in relationships, it is never just one person's fault. It just isn't. And there's things that you will have done wrong too. And you need forgiveness. As humans, we think, oh, well, that, that was worse than what I did. But you know what? To God, it's all bad, and we need that forgiveness. So if we don't forgive, we're not forgiven. Forgiveness is the number one tip. Second tip is, cry out to God. Be honest. 
Be totally honest with God because you know what? He can take it. He's the maker of the universe. Cry out to God. He listens, he comforts, and he helps. In Psalms 57, 2, it says, I will cry out to the God most high, to the God who performs all things for me. This is the truth. I mean, listen to that. I will cry out to God most high, to the God who performs all things for me. He comforts and he answers our prayer. It may not be how we exactly wanted it answered. In fact, most of the time it's not because we're human. We're not God. We're not perfect. But he answers and we see it. I'm living proof. I'm living, living proof that he answers prayers. Third tip. Be in his word every day. Try to read God's word. Have a plan. We have so many tools available to us, folks, on our phones. And we can have the help of a plan to get through and read God's word. 90 days in the Bible, 365 days through the Bible. You can pick um, topics and read through, chronologically read through. But get a plan and read through the Bible. Be in God's word. Have faith in the promises because the word is powerful. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen? We need a weapon. God's word is that. When you're down and out, when you're getting beat up, you need a weapon. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's an awesome word. If you want a word to hold on to, hold on to that one. Be in God's word and you got a weapon. Fourth tip. This is very, very important. Write things down. Write the current state you're in. Write it down. Write the the prayers that you're praying at the moment. Write the word that you read from from his word. Write the promises down that you receive. You know, I I told a story, and it was like, it seemed like it was down, 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 down. And it was, but there were times it was up and then down. That's more how it really goes, right? And through it all, what gets you through, or what got me through anyway, is I, I journaled. I, I wrote down my prayers. I wrote down the words God was giving me. And I could look back and I could see progress and movement and God's answered prayer. You know, each time that one of those bad times happened, God lifted me back up. I still went through another bad time, but... That strength that he gave me, it came because I could look back and I could say, you know what, he gave me this promise. He gave me this promise. And then he answered me here. And he did this in my life there. And I could see that. It was awesome. It it helped me get through. So write things down. In Hebrews 10.23 it says, 
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Amen? He who promised is faithful. It may not be answered when you write these things down. It may not be answered exactly how you thought it was going to be. But I can tell you, when you track what God does, how he moves in your life, you see this truth, this incredible truth. He makes all things work together for our good. It's the truth. And you see it when you track it. So write it down, folks. Fifth tip, be with other believers. Be in the body. Be in the light. Don't get sucked up in the darkness. It says in 1 John 1.7, But if we walk in the light, he is in the light. And if we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. Amen? We got to be with each other. You know, when you're going through hard times, you need the body to help you. But the reality is, and this is the cool part is, even though you feel like you might be worthless, that you're one of the least of these, you're still a piece and a part of the body. And the body needs you too. So be in the body. Get into the body if you're hurting, when you're hurting. If you're talking to somebody who's hurting, encourage them. Encourage them and tell them, you're part of the body. Don't be alone. Come be with us. We need you. I told you that there was a happy ending. And these five tips, they got me there. They got me to this happy ending. But the truth is that I wouldn't even made it here, even with these tips, if it weren't for the sheep. Sheep. I hope, I hope you search yourself and you find and you believe that you are one of the sheep. The sheep helped me get through it. The first sheep in my life was a friend of mine, and he at the time was struggling himself. He was going through a separation. He was, he was hurting tremendously too, but he invited me to come and stay in his living room on his couch. And I slept on his couch for about five or six months. It was humiliating, but thank God the sheep offered me in. I wasn't just sleeping out on the streets. That was the first sheep. The second sheep... She found me, and she took me in. And she was a good friend in the church that I was still going to. She didn't really know me. The church that I was going to at the time was, was big. She didn't know me. She invited me to live in her home, in her basement, and she ministered to me. She shared her troubles, the things that she had gone through, how God had taken her through it, and she prayed for me. She was amazing sheep. If it's not for sheep, 
We don't make it through. The least of us need the sheep. This is how God restored me. The first thing is that my, ex, my ex-wife, she agreed to allow me to have half time with my youngest son. And that was a huge blessing. That was huge. After being separated from your kids and your family and to be able to actually have time with, with my youngest son was just a, such a blessing. And then my daughter began to respond and, and come back to me and let me back into her life again. She was at that time uh, in her early 20s. Then, praise God, I landed two jobs, not just one, two jobs, and God restored me financially far faster than I ever thought, than I could ever have imagined. And it was, it was Jesus. I mean, he was there, and he provided. Then my oldest son started to reconnect with me, and we built back a relationship. In fact, this weekend he was visiting me um, for the weekend. And I, I can tell you, seven, eight years ago, I couldn't even imagined that any of my relationships with my children could possibly be, be restored. I, I mean, I believed it. I believed it through prayer, and I was praying to God, and I believed, yes, this can happen, but I didn't know how it was ever going to happen. I couldn't. I, I didn't even write down, oh, do it this way. <laughs> I had no way of, of even imagining how God could just restore, and he did. And then my daughter started to encourage me and say, Dad, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be alone. You need, to, you need to get out there and, and start dating again. And that was hard. It was weird to hear from your daughter, for one. But it was also hard to, to think about doing something like that. You know, you're in your 40s. I mean, I was probably resigned to be alone the rest of my life. And my daughter is encouraging me, go out and you need to start dating. And she actually signed me up for uh, online dating. The first woman that I met when I started a date was my wife that I have now. And that's Anne. And she's just been... Such a tremendous blessing, a strength. She's a godly Christian woman. And again, I couldn't even have thought about it myself. That's how awesome God is in restoring things. So that's, a, that's my story. And uh, I'd like it if we could just stand up and praise, praise the Lord and worship him now.